Whenever somebody's angry, there are a whole bunch of things you don't do. <laughs> One of the things you don't do is you don't justify, you don't explain, you don't rationalize, you do not apologize, you do not appease, you do not try to explain. You do any of those things to an angry person, it's just going to make them angrier because you are essentially emotionally invalidating them. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mindvalley podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I have a special guest who speaks about a topic we need to have more conversations about. And this is why he's going to be coming here to speak more about it. Facing conflict, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's with your boss, colleagues, maybe it's in your personal life and relationships, maybe it's within your own sales process when you're trying to work with a client who's being difficult. Having to have a proper tool set to be able to communicate effectively, de-escalate situations that are turning a little fiery is an essential toolkit that you can have on your belt. And I've brought the master on the topic to be able to share with us some more ideas that we'll be able to apply right away to make us more effective in our communications, especially in the times where things get heated up. Doug Knoll is a lawyer turned peacemaker specializing in the difficult, complex and intractable conflicts. He's an author of several books, including Deescalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. We're going to see how we can do that process, as well as Elusive Peace, How Modern Diplomatic Strategies Could Better Resolve World Conflicts, other books like Peacemaking, Sex, Politics and Religion at the office. He is a sought after keynote speaker at national conferences and has taught Fortune 500 Computing's executive the secrets to winning in serious business negotiations. He's here to really help us find how we can de-escalate these situations that gets heated up. And we're going to go on a few more topics as well. Doug, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, Jason, it's great to be here. Fun. Bold promise how to calm an angry person in 90 seconds. I'm sure a lot of people start raising eyebrows. It feels like when someone gets angry, they're consumed by anger. So I'd love to maybe start there. Like, what is the state of anger? And is it something that we lose control completely? Well, of course, it depends. And there are different kinds of anger. There's what's known as trade anger, which are people who have a propensity to fly off the handle because it's part of their personality makeup. And then there's just other kinds of anger where people just get really pissed off. And what happens in whether it's trade anger or dispositional anger or situational anger is that the emotional centers of the brain are basically saying there's been a boundary violation, pay attention. And those parts of the brain, those networks of the brain basically overwhelm our executive function, the prefrontal cortex. As soon as that happens, we lose connectivity to our ability to become emotionally self-aware and we go into a condition known as alexithemia, which is the inability to respond to our own emotions. And that's when we are just slaves to our reactivity, to our childhood programming, to whatever is immediately available to us to try to soothe the pain of the anger. And that's when people become violent, they lash out and scream and shout or throw fists or pull guns or do whatever they do. So it is in many, many millions of years ago, it was very adaptive. From an evolutionary perspective, you get angry because the saber-toothed tiger is chasing you, you're probably going to survive. But in a social environment where our brains cannot distinguish between a physical threat and a social threat, there are many parts of our brain that don't make that distinction, we're still going to react as if we're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. And it so it becomes very, very difficult to 
control one's own anger, and it's even more difficult to help somebody calm down until the great discovery, and it changed everything. Well, I would definitely want to dig into this great discovery and find out how we can apply it as well. But I wanted to poke at something interesting because you are an amazing lawyer. You're one of the best lawyers in America. I know you've been honored as lawyer of the year in 2014. And there's a part of me that assumes that a lawyer wants to take advantage of our emotional volatility to get somebody to confess on a certain things or to become blinded or at least not as organized in the way that they speak so you can catch them in a lie, for example. And so as a lawyer, I feel like you're trained to get people to get into a state of anger and then you transition into being a peacemaker, which seems to me more like you de-escalate the situation. Is this a false assumption, a correct assumption? How did that transition happen? Well, yes, you're right. I was a business and commercial trial lawyer for 22 years, very successful. One big loss big, and that's the nature of the business. But through my martial arts training, ultimately I was led to Tai Chi. And as I started to study Tai Chi as a martial art, two paradoxes were presented to me. The first, the softer you are, the stronger you are. And the second, the more vulnerable you are, the more powerful you are. Because Tai Chi is all about using another person's energy against themselves. And it's, by the way, Tai Chi is the oldest martial art, and it is the most vicious martial art I've ever practiced. I will agree to that. I practiced some Tai Chi as well, and there my Tai Chi go. master was incredible. So That's right. I respect that art. <laughs> That's right. It's really powerful. So I was in a courtroom one day and trying a case, and the thought came to me after I got my secondary black belt in my northern Chinese animal style and then started studying Tai Chi. The thought came to me, what the heck am I doing in here? And after that trial, I had a, a river trip, a whitewater trip planned with a bunch of friends. And I spent the week thinking about how many people I'd served. And ultimately, I concluded trial lawyering is not for me. Very good at it, very successful, made a lot of money, but not for me. And so when I came back from that trip, I learned of a new master's degree program being offered at Fresno Pacific University called the Master's Degree in Peacemaking and Conflict Studies. Now, Fresno Pacific is a Mennonite school. And the Mennonites are one of the three Protestant peace churches. I'm not Mennonite, but it caught my interest. And I actually enrolled in my mid-40s, mid-career, and started, I was a full-time master's degree student, graduate student again after law school 20 plus years before. And I was teaching law three quarters time, and I had a full trial practice. So it was pretty busy three or four years. But those people, my mentors, taught me amazing things. And I suddenly realized why I was so dissatisfied with the practice of law. The law, the legal system is very powerful and very effective for the kinds of disputes it's really designed to deal with. But it is not designed to deal with human conflict in any significant way. And that's why people hate lawyers, because they want justice, they want peace. And all the litigation process does is stir up and ultimately reduces everything into money, which everybody hates. And so all of the emotional experiences around the conflict never get resolved. So people are fundamentally unhappy. I, and I saw this myself as a lawyer. I'd win a case, do a brilliant job, if I don't mind saying so myself, walk people out of the courtroom saying, wow, that was amazing. And they say, how come I have to pay you a couple of hundred thousand dollars for getting something that was mine to begin with? So even though I got amazing legal results, clients were still unhappy. And I got stiffed, every lawyer experiences this, we get stiffed all the time for our fees. So I was tired of that. And so in 2000, after many, many discussions with my partners who did not buy into this peacemaking idea, I just said, screw it. And I walked away, I left $10 million on the table, 
I walked out and started my own peacemaking and mediation practice in 2000. And that's how it started. And it was the best decision I ever made. And now, like, you've brought forward all of this amazing literature that really helps people de-escalate these conflicts and hopefully help us not get to a point that we need a lawyer. I would assume it's almost like preventative care or holistic right. care when it comes to business practices. And let me go into the fun part here. You're talking about how to calm someone angry. 90 seconds or less. I know that's the headline of the book. And for those of you who want to go deeper, definitely I'll put a link here so you can pick up a copy of Deescalate, How to Calm an Angry Person 90 Seconds or Less. But give us an idea here. So what have you discovered in your peacemaking efforts that have been able to deescalate people so effectively? So one of the things that I started studying in my master's degree was neuroscience. And this was back in the 90s before anybody knew what neuroscience was. And I was tutored by a professor at Caltech. And because I began to understand that everything in peace and conflict, especially emotions, start in the brain. So I ought to understand the biology of all of this. And I stumbled across an idea. I had a really difficult case that I was mediating in 2005. If they had knives, there'd be blood on the floor. And the thought came to me, listen to the emotions. So instead of having them listen to each other's words, I had them ignore the words and pay attention to the emotions and reflect back the emotions. And after they'd both gone through this process, which they were both very uncomfortable with, but they did it. John, the, the divorce couple, John puts his face in his hands and starts to sob. And finally, he looks up and says, that's the first time you've listened to me in 25 years. And they settled this intractable dispute in five minutes and walked out holding hands to have lunch with each other. My jaw dropped. I couldn't believe it. They had just de-escalated themselves. What had I done? Well, I knew what I'd done, but I didn't know how it worked. So I started trying it in other complex I was called to, and it worked every single time. And then in 2007, neuroscientist Matthew Lieberman came out with a brain scanning study that showed exactly what was going on with this process. And now we have the science to describe and understand why we can literally de-escalate or calm somebody down in 90 seconds or less. The 90 seconds or less, by the way, was that was insisted upon by my publisher, Simon & Schuster, Atria, because I said, I can do this in 30 seconds. And they said, no, 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 nobody could believe that. But literally, literally, when you reflect back somebody's emotional experience in a way that I can describe very quickly, the prefrontal cortex comes back online and the emotional centers of the brain are inhibited. And it happens automatically and unconsciously and the angry person doesn't even know it, but all of a sudden they're not angry anymore. And it literally takes 30 to 45 seconds to do it. It's phenomenal how it works. And it's so phenomenal <laughs> that I've been training murderers to be peacemakers in maximum security prisons since 2010. And this is the first skill we teach them. And it's worked every single That's time. That's been a huge project you've been working on, the Prison of Peace project, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So Prison of Peace started in 2010 when my colleague, Laurel Coffer, received a letter from a woman serving a life sentence without possibility of parole in the largest, most violent women's prison in the world. And she was asking us to come in and train the lifers and long-termers how to stop prison violence by being mediators and peacemakers. We said yes. And so we started with 15 women in April of 2010 and built a curriculum to train inmates how to become peacemakers and mediators and then how they can then train other inmates to do the same thing. So it's not only teaching them to be peacemakers and mediators, but also making it internally sustainable. And today we're in 15 California prisons, a prison in Connecticut, 12 prisons in Greece, and we've got startups in northern Italy and in Nairobi. During the pandemic, of course, we couldn't go in. 
but we've taken the entire curriculum and we filmed it. So the entire prison of peace curriculum will be available to anybody in the world who wants to bring prison of peace to any penal institution in their jurisdiction. That's incredible. Thank you so much for that. You're doing such incredible work. It's amazing. We've had over 2,000 of our students released on parole. Not one of them is reoffended. Oh my God. This seems like such a humane way of transitioning and a skill that we should all be able to learn more of. Let's talk about that skill. I'd love to. So I hope that by now, everybody who's listening in, you realize that there are ways to actually de-escalate situations. Maybe it's a skill you've never been exposed to and Doug has been able to apply for people within business to people that are in prison. You are gonna be able to learn this skill as well and I'm super excited for us to understand it. So Doug, take it away. Three steps. First of all, you're confronting an angry person. It could be any emotion. It could be anger, grief, sadness. It could even be happiness. This works great with kids to really strengthen kids' emotional competency. So you're gonna do three steps. The first step is ignore the words. We've heard those angry words before. We don't need to listen to them. If we ignore the words, we're not going to get triggered and we're going to free up the bandwidth to do the next two steps. So learn how to make white noise out of angry words. You're not going to ignore the person. You're just going to ignore their words. Second step. Hold on. Before you even go there. We can unpack that for days. <laughs> I know. And I feel like I even got triggered by what you said because now I have a flood of memories of <laughs> times I did a big five personality assessment. I think it's a neuroticism. I'm very low in neuroticism, right? And so when someone is high in volatility and will emotionally, let's say, explode at me, whether it's in a relationship setting or in a business setting, I freeze and I panic, especially with the words that they use. And then I start thinking like, oh my God, like I can't believe they've used these words. So I get highly triggered. You're saying you have to ignore the words? <laughs> you ignore it all because you don't want to get triggered. All that's happening for you is you're just playing out childhood programming. And we could spend hours talking about all of this. This is, of course, what I teach. But let's just say right now, to keep it short, because I know we have a short time here, we're going to ignore those words. The second step is to read the emotional data fields. Every single person in their emotional experiences puts off emotional data, and it's nonverbal. And we are hardwired as human beings to read that emotional data. The problem is that we live in a culture where emotions are considered weak or evil or irrational. And so we never learn how to use this innate ability to read other person's emotions. But I'll, very quickly, again, this is a, another thing we could go off for hours on. We've only had the spoken word of ability to have language as human beings for 230,000 years, just an eye blink. And before that, for millions and millions of years, humans and hominids lived in clans and families and tribes. But they didn't communicate with words. They communicated with emotions because they didn't have, we didn't have the apparatus for making voices. It wasn't until the invention of fire or the control of fire that we were able to cook animal fat and render it and get enough calories to allow our brains to expand and the pharyngeal nerve and the pharyngeal muscles to expand to give us vocal control to create language that we have today. So we can automatically read people's emotions effortlessly effectively, accurately, and quickly. So what you do is you sit in silence. You've got this angry person screaming at you. You sit in silence and you just wait. And all of a sudden, the emotions will start flowing into your consciousness. And then the third step is the secret sauce. All you do is reflect back the emotion with a simple you statement. So I would say something like this. Jason, 
man, you are really pissed. You're angry, you're frustrated, you're anxious, you feel completely disrespected, you feel unappreciated, nobody is supporting you, you feel completely betrayed, nobody's supporting you, you're completely abandoned, and it's making you anxious, and you're really sad, and you feel a little humiliated. And fundamentally, you just feel like you're all alone and unloved. And it just really pisses you off. Now, as I said that, of course, you're not mad or angry, but what do you feel inside yourself? Well, I feel like someone's trying to actually put an effort into understanding me. There you go. You feel heard. You feel heard. Right. So the phrase that I use is I call it listening other people into existence. Listening other people into existence. All you have to do is reflect their emotions. Now, three steps. Ignore the words, read the emotional data field, and then reflect back the emotion for the use statement. That's a simple way to describe a pretty complex process that takes a little bit of practice and coaching to figure. Most people can get it in about six weeks of practice. But it is a very simple concept, and it's easy to apply once you overcome all of your Western culture programming all the cultural programming that tells us emotions are bad. And once you overcome all of that, then it becomes easy and second nature. And it's so powerful that it becomes self-reinforcing. And you want to do it. You do it all the time. You don't even think about it. I'm like mind blown right now. And I just can't stop but think of so many times I've messed up. Of course. We all have. <laughs> because it's so... I can only think of personal situations, especially in past relationships, right? Like, I think that's the times that I've had to deal with most conflict. Because relationships, you're building that. And then I just remember times where I've had my partner at the time tell me things where I would pay so attention to the words. And it's interesting because there's one piece of literature I really appreciate, which is by Don Miguel Luis, which is called The Four Agreements. Right. I'm familiar with it. Well, one of his statements is be impeccable with your word, right? But in emotional situations, when someone dishes out words in an emotional state, I freeze because I'm afraid of communicating back anything where I'm not going to be grounded. I feel like I need to be very calculated when I respond to someone who's triggered. So I completely freeze, which triggers the other person even more because they feel like I'm not even listening to them because I'm just trying to process the right answer. You got and it. What you've just said is perfect. And it works. And there's brain science to prove it. I have a feeling I'm pretty sure everybody's kind of having this aha moment. So how would this look like? I'm thinking about in personal relationships, whether you're in an argument with a spouse, going back and reflecting what you feel. Let's say in a work setting, let's say I have a boss, I haven't turned up a project and they are just a volatile person and the boss is like, I can't believe this is terrible. And they just lash out at you. What would that look like? So go ahead and let's just have a conversation. You're the boss, I'm the employee, and you're just having a bad day. Okay, Doug, I can't believe you submitted work like this. I asked you to have this ready a week ago. You asked for an extension and you still haven't submitted it and it's terrible. We're gonna have to redo it again and I'm gonna do this myself. So Jason, you are really frustrated. You feel completely disrespected. You're feeling really angry and you're anxious because your job is dependent on this too. And you don't feel like you're being supported and you feel betrayed by all of this. And it really is upsetting to you, and you're sad because you were hoping for the support you didn't get, and you're feeling completely abandoned, and you're all alone, and you really don't know what to do about it. And it's really make very annoying and frustrating for you. Mm -hmm. It renders me speechless. Uh-huh. And so at that point in time, you said, uh-huh, that's one of the indicators that I look for. 
you're looking for an uh-huh or a yeah or an exactly, a nodding of the head, which you did, a dropping <laughs> of the shoulders, the relaxation response, and a sigh. Then you move into problem solving. Hmm. But if you try to go into problem solving too early, you're all you're going to do is piss people off. So then I'd be like, you're right, Doug, but the product's still not done. All right, so let's talk about what's going on. Are you in a place where we can talk about what's really going on? Okay, yeah. The project report that you're looking for, I see it right there on your desk. It's been there for three days. Hmm. And you just haven't picked it up because you've been too busy. You've been out of the office. And you don't think that it's been delivered. So, you wouldn't even care about it if you were still in a state of crazy emotional. That's right. Whenever somebody's angry, there are a whole bunch of things you don't do. <laughs> One of the things you don't do is you don't justify, you don't explain, you don't rationalize, you do not apologize, you do not appease, you do not try to explain. You do any of those things to an angry person, it's just going to make them angrier because you are essentially emotionally invalidating them. Another biological thing that goes on in what's known as the polyvagal system, which Again, there's a whole gradual lecture just on what the polyvagal system is and how it works. But there's a whole thing around safety. Angry people need safety. And if you start to appease or rationalize or explain, you come across as weak, which makes the angry person feel unsafe, and they're just going to get angrier because they're fundamentally not feeling safe. Well, Doug, I'm definitely looking forward to having more conversations with you. Absolutely. This is something that I need a lot of work with. I'm someone that's very non-confrontational. I don't know if I want to blame it on my Canadian culture, being like, sorry about everything. But I've had so many times, like if you, somebody's angry in the workplace, some project has been delivered, my initial instinct is to say sorry, even if it's not my fault, which triggers them even more. That's exactly right. And it happens a lot. I, by the way, I work with a lot of Canadians. <laughs> and it is a cultural thing, you know, Canadians it are is, nice right? people. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a cultural thing taught in childhood that serves us well in childhood, but does not serve us well as adults. And so what we have to do is we have to deprogram ourselves from this childhood programming we've gone through and learn new skills based on new science. And once we do that, you are so much more effective and you actually have angry people thanking you for listening them into existence. They thank you. They were your enemies. 90 seconds ago, now they're your best friend. And you build loyalty and trust and emotional safety like you can't believe. I was going to just jump in and say, this is an essential skill set for anybody That's who's it. in it's a leadership position. You need it. Like, this or is in critical. relationships. Well, yeah, let's not get started there. There's so much there. <laughs> we can talk about intimate relationships. I mean, my wife and I never fight. And we don't suppress emotions either. But we are both highly skilled in this. And she's a master in her own right, of her own stuff. And we have the most amazing marriage you can possibly imagine. Even the other day, I mean, we just came back from vacation and on Sunday, she was just exhausted. And so she did a very unusual thing. She kind of snapped at me. And I just turned to her and said, you're really tired. You're really exhausted. You're feeling burned out. You don't feel supported. You feel like the whole load is on you. And it's really frustrating. And she went, <sighs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> I feel better now. <laughs> and that was the end of it. I wish this was part of a core curriculum for every person growing up. And I think you're already putting that in motion. So, Doug, I know we just spent a small amount of time together. And there's so much more for people to go deeper. I want to encourage everyone, if you've been inspired by this, 
like he mentioned, this requires training. You need a bit more exposure to this. And I think the best thing you could do right now is pick up a copy of De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person, 90 seconds or less. This book is really going to be able to walk you through it. Is there something else we could look forward to that we could apply from this? Yes. I created a webpage just for everybody listening tonight. Only your listeners get this access. So I'm going to give the website to you. It's really simple. DougNoel.co forward slash superhumans at work. All one word. DougNoel.co forward slash superhumans at work. Of course, you get access to my entire website with a tremendous resources. But number one, free ebook. Got to give me your email address, of course, but you get a free ebook that describes everything. You can get my book. I have a link, direct link to my book. So you can buy that. You can buy a de-escalate video course I've created. That's a video course that teaches you all the skills that I've talked about in our conversation. And if you really want to invest in yourself, I've got a course called Developing Emotional Competency, which takes everything we've talked about it and takes it to a whole different level where you can become an emotionally competent human being in about four weeks worth of work. Doug, thank you so much for your time. For everybody listening, we'll make sure this link is available in the show notes. Just go into the show notes and the link will be right there for you. This is incredible. You'll be able to even get started with an ebook, which I think is going to be a great foundation to continue where this conversation has started. Again, what we've covered today is just understanding that if you want to get into a place where you don't need to face conflicts with more fires, meeting fire with fire, this is not the way to resolve conflicts. The method that was taught here by Doug around de-escalating situations is going to actually go to the root of of what is triggering people within a certain extreme emotion is a three-step process. We talked about number one, ignoring the words. If you've ever been in a conflict and the words seem painful, you're like, oh my God, they crossed a boundary. Ignore all of these words and instead focus on the step two, which is listen for the really fundamental emotions that are being expressed. And then on the number three, is reflect back to that person what you think are these emotions by stating it in a way that you feel and just start describing what all these emotions are so the person can feel understood, can feel heard, and you'll be able to apply this technique, whether it's in your personal intimate relationships, your friendships, in the workplace, in a sales process with a potential client, Whatever is the situation where conflicts arise and the tensions go up, this is the perfect way to de-escalate. And once the emotion has been de-escalated, you can now proceed to really solving the core of the issue. But if you try to jump this step, you're usually going to escalate the conflict. We have a powerful tool now that you can start applying right away. And this has been a fantastic conversation with Doug. Once again, if you want to go deeper into the subject, go and click the link that has been made available in the show notes. You'll be able to follow more of Doug's work, get deeper into the process and become a very emotionally competent human in the process. Thank you all for listening. And Doug, once again, thank you so much for all the insights you shared today. You're welcome, Jason. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mindvalley podcast.